So we are continuing in our series called Faith That Works, and we're going through the New Testament book of James, and look, we are almost finished. We only have two weeks left. So I'm glad that you've uh, stayed with us this long. I think it's been encouraging and challenging. Uh, James has been one of those books that just take your, you know, what we think is faith, and it turns it upside down, right? Uh, James is, is such a challenging book, and, and I love God's Word. Uh, there are books in there that are so encouraging. There are books in there that you can read that bring you total comfort, and then there are books that really challenge you, right? Uh, and they're all important because it's all, it's all God's Word. And so I'm thankful and grateful to be able to go through this series with you because God is very concerned with how genuine and how real and how strong our faith is. Um, last time we talked about choices and how we have a choice to make between just God and this world. Really, really it's, that, it's that simple. And many of us try to do both, don't we? We try to have one foot in this world and one foot with, with God. And there's this uh, old proverb that states, a man who tries to walk two roads will eventually split his pants. <laughs> so at some point, you try to walk two roads, that's not going to work out well for you. Uh, this world challenges us on so many different levels, doesn't it? You really feel, and if you've read Peter say this, he talks about being an alien. Right? And then you feel like an alien sometimes in this world, like you don't belong. You know, it feels so awkward and so strange. Uh, today we're going to be looking at perspective, and perspective is this. It's how you view things, how you, how you see things. And this world challenges our perspective. It challenges us to look, look at things through an earthly lens rather than a spiritual lens, doesn't it? You know, as Christians, our perspective should change, we should look at things differently. We should see things differently. We should view things differently. Um, there are things that, that change our perspective. I can remember uh, when, when I had children, right? My perspective changed. Not only was, you know, having a child amazing and, and awesome and different and all this stuff, but I had to start providing for another life and so that has changed the trajectory of my life and it has changed my perspective on things you know I have somebody else to live for I have somebody else to love I have somebody else to provide for I have somebody else to invest in you see it completely changed my perspective um, when I was in college I can remember 9-11 you know the tragic events of 9-11 I was in college and you know, when you're in college, this was me anyway, I didn't pay very much attention to world events. Uh, I watched TV, never watched the news at all. I watched soap operas. <laughs> Days of our lives. <laughs> Did y'all know that John and Marlena, John Black and Marlena are still alive? <laughs> wow. All right. So anyway, you know, I'm, I'm in college and I'm watching Days of Our Lives. And then this, this, this news bulletin breaks in, and it talks about 9-11. And, uh, you know, I'm just blown away. I had no idea that, that there could be that type of evil in this world, that there was this type of enemy in this world. You know, I, I saw crime. I saw TV shows that had crime. You know, I, saw, I read n newspapers and stuff like that, just small stuff. You know, I knew the world was bad, but I had no idea it was that bad. 
And so that event changed my perspective on the world. And like for the first time, you know, I started watching headline news and, you know, Fox News and checking up on things, you know. Um, events shape our perspective. But look, what about, what about our encounter with Jesus? Right? What about the cross? What about the resurrection? What about your encounter with the Lord and Savior? That should change our perspective. Our, our encounter with the gospel should change our perspective on things. But, but sometimes, look, we lose that. Sometimes we lose our perspective. Sometimes we're in battle with the world and we lose our focus on things. And sometimes we, we begin to take what are very important things, we begin to take those for granted. And there's nothing more, this is what the message is about, there's nothing more than we take for granted than our time and our resources. So today we're just going to be looking at those two things, just two things today, so stay with me. And the Bible teaches us to view time a certain way and also our resources a certain way. And our perspective on these two things are so important and so critical. So uh, our scripture reference is James chapter 4. Turn there if you have your Bibles with you. James chapter 4 verse 13 is where we will begin. And I want us to look at this first. Our perspective of time. Our perspective of time. This is, in other words, how we view time. And for the first time in this letter, James addressed here the broader audience of people. Up until now, he's just been saying brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. So we know, hey, that's, that's us, but he doesn't do that here. So he's not just addressing brothers and sisters, but he's addressing anybody that will listen. So he says this in verse 13, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. So James is given this story of a business person, businessman, businesswoman, making, making these plans. And look, this person is confident in their planning, right? Uh, it says carrying on there, so they're carrying on with no worries, no thought to today. This person is planning, they're dreaming, they're hoping to grow their business and, uh, you know, be successful and, and make money. Now, how many of you are planners? You know, yeah, some of you, all right. Uh, I, I'm a planner to, to a degree. My wife is not. So how does that work out? You know, she'll just spontaneously say, well, let's go here today, or let's go to Dollywood. This happened yesterday, by the way. Uh, let's go to Dollywood. And I'm like, you've got to plan that. Yeah. <laughs> You don't just wake up and say, I'm going to go to Dollywood today. You know, you got to count the kids we have and make sure they're all accounted for. And you got to check the bank account and make sure that there's, you know, some money in there for gas. And then, you know, Dollywood's not cheap. Um, you know, and you just got to plan for those things, I feel like. So, you know, she hasn't really learned it yet, but we're coming to a point where... So there's a compromise here. There's a compromise that we are going to come to. And I said, let's just do this. Let's spontaneously plan. <laughs> All right. So this business person, 
that James is referring to was completely focused on his own plans. And you can just read this verse, read, read through this, and let me ask you this. Who does he think is in charge? Who does this guy or, or gal think is in control? They are, right? They believe they are in total control of not only his life but his future. Now look, James isn't condemning planning for the future, right? He's not doing that. The, the problem wasn't planning or the problem wasn't working hard. For those of you that are workaholics, you know, you, you have that need, that desire to work hard. James isn't condemning that. All throughout God's word, we see that he wants us to work. When he created us, we had jobs to do. And in heaven, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but we're going to have jobs to do in, in heaven. So the problem wasn't working hard or planning to work. The problem was having the wrong perspective of time. It was leaving God out of the picture, and it was acting as if they were in control and not who? God. Not God. We do this too. We do this too. I had to think through this. It was very challenging. We, we make plans for the future. We plan. We hope. We dream. But sometimes we leave God out of that. And what happens when we do that is we assume control over our lives. You see, when we have the wrong perspective of time, we tend to lose dependence on God. Very true. When we have the wrong perspective of time, we no longer include God in our thinking and planning. And we can begin to even think this, we don't need God. So what James does is he just brings us back down to earth. He brings us back into perspective and and he gives us some reasons to depend on God and include him in our lives and our planning. Look at verse 14. He says, why? Why do you do that? Why do you have that perspective? Why do you think that way? Why do you assume control over your own life? He says, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Right? So two things here, two things really important. The businessman, he was, he was making plans for today, tomorrow, and the next year, right? But the truth is, we don't know what will happen today, tomorrow, or the next year. We don't know that. We don't know the future. Look, the best we can do is guess. But that's about it. Only God knows, and only God controls the future. And that truth alone should humble us and shape our perspective, shouldn't it? Next, he mentions this. He, he asks a question here. He says, what is your life? That's a philosophical question, you know. It gets you thinking, and you can't really answer it with a short response. What is your life? But James answers it with a short response. He says, your life is a mist. A mist. Not a fog, but a mist. Like this. Right? Anybody see that? That's how, that is how fast a mist is. That's, it's not a fog. Right? Fog sticks around for a little bit. A mist. Um, here briefly, and then gone. You know, I had a birthday a couple weeks ago. Forty. I was depressed. 
And I'm looking back and I'm thinking, where did my life go? <laughs> you know, I look back and look at some pictures and I'm like, where did my hair go? I was listening to 80s on 8 on XM Radio, just like, oh, I'd, thank you. I need this right now. I need to feel young. But look, no, seriously, your life, your kids' lives, your marriage with your spouse, it just, it's so fast. It goes so, so quick. Based on that fact, based on that groundbreaking truth that James just dropped on us, that our lives are so quick and so fragile, James says this, verse 15, instead, this is how your perspective should be and how you should think and what you should say, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. First of all, look, I read this afresh and this really amazed me and challenged me. First of all, James put th- puts things in perspective by saying something so basic but so foundational. He says, if it's the Lord's will, we will live. Live. James is saying it's important we understand that God is the source of life. He's not just sovereign over every day, but did you know he's sovereign over every breath? Uh, Once we have that understood, then we can move on to the next thing, right? If, If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If it's the Lord's will, then we will go here and we will... We will do that. Instead of thinking, I'm going to do this or that, or I'm just going to do things my own way, I'm going to live my own life, we need to make sure that we include God and and His plans for us, not just in our plans for ourselves. And now look, we don't have to complicate this. We don't have to take this simple truth and, and make it complicated by making it a slogan, by saying, if it's the Lord's will in front of everything, oh, honey, can you take the trash out? Well, if it's the Lord's will... Uh, you know, if it's the Lord's will, I'll wear my seatbelt today. You know, it's just some things you just, you just do. It's not a slogan. It doesn't need to be cliche. It needs to be a conviction. And God's not up there saying Simon says, right? I'm trying to, trying to catch us off guard. Well, well, Simon didn't say that. God didn't say that. So no, no. It needs to be a conviction within our hearts. That we are in tune with God and it affects the way we think, and the way we act, the way we live. He simply wants us to have this, the right perspective and to make sure that we are listening to him and involving him in our lives. But he says this in verse 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. You may have never thought about your planning as arrogant. Right? You might just be planning all by yourself. But it's arrogant when we think we are in control. That's pretty arrogant, isn't it? It's arrogant when we leave out God. We don't even include him. That's arrogant. 
That's what James is talking about. Here's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Am I living as if God doesn't exist? Outside of today, outside of church, the majority of your life takes place outside of here. Am I living as if God doesn't exist? And we may not be doing this on purpose, but the point is we do it. We do it. We do it, okay? Sometimes we don't acknowledge God. And here's the thing. Here's what James is trying to get at. That is sinning. That's sin. For those who have faith, we know, we know. If you're a Christian, you know that God wants to have a close relationship with you. Right? You, you know that. Last week we looked at, how, looked at how our relationship with God was to be so intimate, so close that it resembled a marriage. Right? He, he wants us to think about and involve Him in our lives. Can you think about inside of marriage? All right, let's say your spouse makes uh, a vacation plan and doesn't tell you. Who would do that, right? Let's say a spouse goes and buys a house and doesn't tell you. Who would do that? That's, the same, that's sort of like the same thing as us with God and in, in our relationship is supposed to be so close and we're, we're making these really huge decisions but yet we're not including the person we're supposed to love most in this world. James is saying we know God wants us to depend on him. We know that. I don't have to tell you that. We know God wants us to trust in him. We know that but when we don't do it When we don't live like it, it is sin. It is sinful. So here's the right perspective we should have about time. Here is how we should approach every single day. God is sovereign over my time, and each day is a gift from Him. God is sovereign over my time, and each day is a gift from Him. It's okay to plan for the future as long as we have the right perspective of today. Each day, each moment, each breath is a gift from God. God is sovereign over every day, every minute, every second of our lives. And, and we can plan, we can hope, we can dream. There's a lot of wisdom found in God's Word about planning, but we need to do so with the right perspective. And also, this a thankful heart, thankful heart that understands our dependence on God for today. Psalms, uh, Psalm 90, verse 12 says this Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And the psalmist knew that we had to be taught this. Like we have to every now and then think this way. We have to bring ourselves back around and start thinking properly, having the right perspective. God, teach us to number our days. Teach us not to take today for granted. Teach us to make the most out of every single moment. Wisdom is understanding that our days are ordained by God and not us. That's what wisdom is. And we we would do well to have that perspective, okay? So we talked about time. Now let's talk about resources. Our perspective of resources. Again, James is not just referring to believers here. The broader group. So you can can include believers and non-believers. He's just writing generally to everyone at this point. Verse 1, we're in chapter 5 now. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming 
on you. And James is speaking of a future judgment here that is going to be taking place. And the people James is referring to, what were they known for? Their wealth, not their faith. They were known for their wealth, not their faith. That's very important. And this sort of reminds me, uh, having an 80s flashback here, uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Uh, Robin Leach, anybody remember that guy? You know, I used to love watching that show. You know, but, but not once can I remember him saying, well, would you just look at the amazing faith of this person? <laughs> Never. Not once did he say that. It was always, look at this person's wealth. Look at this person's house. Look at this person's resources. Look at this person's toys, right? Again, Here's the thing, James isn't condemning wealth at all. Just like he wasn't condemning planning, James isn't condemning wealth. He's condemning the love of wealth, the sinful use of wealth. When we become obsessed with ourselves, when we want more and more and more to the point that it becomes our identity, that becomes what we become wrapped up in. When our resources become the most important thing in our life, that is when wealth becomes an idol and wealth becomes sinful. And just like our time, listen, just like our time has an expiration date, so does our wealth. Your wealth, verse number two, has rotted, and moss have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. So people here that James is referring to, they were hoarding things. They were accumulating things for themselves, bringing in more and more and more. And James says, how foolish is that? How foolish is that when it all rots, when it all corrodes, when it all is eaten, when it all goes away? Uh, Anybody seen the show Hoarders on TV? I watched it a couple times, and I was just, I I can't believe People live like this. You know, it, it, some, some things really disgusted me. I said, I just cannot believe that. You know, but I wonder sometimes if God looks at us and just says, I can't believe that. I can't believe they're living this way. Right? Remember, our time is a vapor. It's a mist. And, and then after that mist is over, then What? Nothing, none of that matters. When, when that mist is over, what are you going to have left to show? You know, this echoes Jesus' teaching, doesn't it? The brother of Jesus, this echoes his, his brother's teaching about laying up treasures in heaven, not storing up treasures on earth. Yeah. Not focusing on worldly treasures because they won't last. They won't last. And not only that, but when we use our resources selfishly, when we hoard our resources, it does have an effect on others. You may not think that, but it does. When we overfocus on keeping, what do we do? We underfocus on giving. Verse 4, James says this Look, the wages you fail to pay the workers who Mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. So some of these people, some of the rich people, they were taking advantage of their workers. They were mistreating people. 
They were treating them unfairly. They were not using their resources the right way at all. Yeah, sometimes we do this. Uh, sometimes we mistreat others. But many times it's not what we do, it's what we don't do. Right? When we fail to, to help others, when we fail to use our resources to help others, it's the same thing as mistreating them. Remember, knowing what to do and not doing it is sin. Right? Instead of hoarding, we should be stewarding or managing God's gifts the right way. Winston Churchill says, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Man, may that be our heart. We are to use our resources wisely, not just for ourselves, but to help, help others. Verse 5, James continues on here. He says, you, you have lived on earth in, in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. So some of the people, they just simply had the wrong perspective of resources. And for some, look, their lives amounted to nothing but self-indulgence. Uh, they were indulging themselves. They, they mistreated others or they didn't notice the needs of others. It was all about them. They were fattening themselves while they were allowing others to starve and die. You see the difference there? And then he, James uses this phrase here, and I went back and read it a couple of times because it just spoke to me. You have lived on earth in self-indulgence. That lived on earth there, that's a measurement of time. It's called a lifespan, a lifetime. How tragic that some will have this description of their lifetime. Self-indulgence. How will your life be described? What will, you be, what will you be known for in your midst? Self-indulgency or, or generosity. Something to think about. It's okay to have things. I'm not saying that. It is, it is okay to have things. As long as we value the things we have as temporary gifts from God to be used for His glory. So, so the right perspective we should have regarding our resources is this. Look, God is sovereign over my resources, and I'm held accountable for what I've been given. God is sovereign over my resources, and I'm held accountable for what I've been given. God is sovereign over time, and He is sovereign over our resources. God is sovereign over both. This reminded me of a parable that Jesus taught in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. But really, talent is a measurement of wealth. So uh, it could also be described as a uh, parable of gold bags, the bags of gold. In this parable, the master went on a journey and he, he gave three of his servants his wealth, his bags of gold. He entrusted them. And one servant was given five bags of gold. Uh, another servant was given two bags. And, and the third servant was given one bag. All right, so you follow me? The master went away and trusted these three individuals with, with his resources. Well, the guy that was given, the servant that was given five bags, immediately put that money to use, put that resources to use, and doubled what he had been given. 
the, the servant that was given two bags did the same thing. Immediately went to work with the resources that he had been given by the master, doubled his money. Uh, the servant that had one bag, he went and hid his money, though. He didn't put it to use. In other words, listen, what did he do? He stored it away. Stored it away for himself. After a while, the master returned to settle accounts. In other words, he returned to see what had become of his money that he had entrusted them with. The master recognized those two that had used the resources the right way, and he said this, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The other servant who didn't do anything with the money, well, look, the master did, really didn't have anything good to say to him. I'm just paraphrasing there. My point is this. The master, which represented the Lord, came back unexpectedly, which shows us his sovereignty over time. Time. And when the master returned, the servants returned the money to who? Him. Which shows us his sovereignty over our resources that he's given to us. And this is a popular parable in the Bible. And look, it can be studied many different ways. But the major lessons taught to us are this. God is in charge of our time and he is in charge of our resources. And he expects us to use them both responsibly and faithfully and in a way that would glorify him. So look, we're going to pull these two together. Uh, our perspective of both time and resources into one statement. And this is what I want you to walk away from uh, with today. Our time and resources are both precious gifts from God to be used together for His glory. Now the two go together. Time and resources. In other words, we're given a certain amount of resources over a certain period of time. Did you ever think of it that way? In the end, either when we pass on or when the Lord returns, listen, the Lord, the Master, He will evaluate what we did with our time and our resources. The Lord, the Master, will evaluate what we did in our midst. Yeah, I can remember my time as a uh, business manager. This was my first job out of college, you know. Big job for me. Uh, moved to North Carolina. I actually lived in a couple different states with this company as a manager and finally, you know, through uh, about a year, less than a year of training, I was given, uh, you know, my own business pretty much. Uh, millions of dollars worth of assets. Uh, over a million dollar budget to work with. Employees to oversee, things like that. That was given to me. And I was left alone. You know, wonder what to do sometimes. And here, here's the thing: I, everybody has a, a person they report to, right? No matter who you are, you report to somebody, type of thing. Uh, my supervisor would would come in and check on things periodically, and he would never announce it, right? You, you've had those supervisors, right, that do that drives you crazy. But this it didn't happen, but maybe once or twice in a year. So I had all this time, and I had all these resources, and you know, if I wasn't careful, I could just get lazy, and I could just let some things go, and I could lose my focus. 
Um, I always enjoyed working hard. I always uh, enjoyed making things were in line. And uh, I always enjoyed working you know, with people and helping them to get better and stuff like that. I know some of my friends, some of my guys that had other uh, businesses in other states, when their supervisors came and they were caught, it didn't go so well. You know, they had mismanaged their time. They had mismanaged their resources they had been, they had been given. And I didn't take a day for granted. You know, my, my, my thought process was like, this guy could be over there in the weeds looking at me. He could be watching me now. You know, are there cameras in here? That was my thinking. And I'm not saying we need to be paranoid about God. We just need to know it, that he's there. And we need to live like we're not ashamed. As people of faith, may we never take for granted the sovereignty of God with our time, and may we never take for granted our accountability to God for our resources. Because look, if you're a Christian, you are a manager of both. Our lives are like this. Mist. It, it doesn't matter. Look, it doesn't matter if we live to be a hundred or our last day is tomorrow. Compared to eternity, that's what our life is like. How will your life be described? When the master comes back, when you stand before the master, however it happens one day, how will he do your evaluation with your mist? It's my prayer. Look, this is my prayer for me. This is my prayer for you. When it's all said and done that we hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Now come and enjoy in your master's happiness. Wow. Is that your prayer too? Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, oh wow. Just thank you so much for your wisdom this morning. For your spirit's guidance. For speaking to us uh, in a time that we desperately need to hear it. Father, help us to take these principles of time. Help us to take these principles of resources. And help us to, Father, live each day like it's our last. May we put things in perspective that you are sovereign over time. You are sovereign over each and every day. You are sovereign over every breath that we take. Help us to also realize that you are sovereign over our resources. And you've, you've given us exactly what we need to have right now. Father, help us to be faithful and good stewards of what you've given to us. The truth is one day. We will stand before you. We will be in heaven one day, but, but, but you will also ask, what did you do with the resources I've given you? Father, may, when that day comes, may we stand before you confidently. Father, we, we desire to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. So may our lives be committed and devoted to glorifying you in each and every way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.